0: But if you would go ahead and open up your, your your Bible and turn to the book of Ephesians and I was praying this week and, and you know I want to say thank you for pastor for allowing me to share the word with you tonight uh, you know he's, he's with the with Wendy's family and continue to pray for them continue to pray that God would just bless them and help them in this time in this season because we all very much loved Wendy and we want their family to just be uh, cared for in this time so but tonight, uh, Kevin, if you want to go ahead and pull up the, the title, I don't know if you have it up there. Tonight, we're going to be talking about one body and one calling. And the past few days, I've been praying about this in particular, and I, I found it kind of interesting. You know, sometimes, you know, I, I don't ever do anything. And if you know me personally, uh, I don't ever do anything just out of self-gain. And what I mean by that is this. I'm going to pray and I'm going to seek the Lord for something that I'm going to speak. I would never just come up here and, and, you know, copy and paste something or just put something together because I feel in my heart that's not genuine from the Lord. Because when we enter in with him, he has a word. And, And I want to say this to you and encourage you. Each day as you enter in with the Lord, pursue his heart to hear his voice because he has a word for you that day. He has something for you. You know, and sometimes we, you know, pastor on Tuesday, you know, yesterday we had our prayer, prayer meeting and it was wonderful. And, and he, he mentioned something. He said, sometimes we don't wait enough and listen, you know, because in our American culture, our American society, we're really like, you know, real quick to it. You know, uh, as soon as I can get what I need and go, I'm good. I mean, we're Americans are known for fast food. Come on. Really, if you think about it we have fast food chains meaning you can go and get food within like 10 minutes like i mean you don't even have to you say like three words to someone our whole society has been built on this instantaneous you know gratification of what we can get right then right in the moment and when we spend time with the lord we need to understand that that's not how he works he doesn't work like that and so when we enter into prayer and we enter into the word let's be willing to say i'm going to be here for a while because I'm going to listen. I'm not just going to come here as my daily routine or 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 as my uh, you know obligation, but I'm going to come here and, and love you, Lord. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to draw near to you, and so I want you to know that that and and even I know this pastor is the same way. That's our heart's desire, is that we are going to pray and we are going to seek the Lord when we step into this position and when we step into the pulpit. That's what our desire is, and I just wanted to say that to you tonight. And so praying over this, this, you know, message, God just led me to the, the book of Ephesians. And so we'll be starting in Ephesians chapter four and in our, our kind of our main text. It's a lot. We got a lot to go through tonight. I feel like pastor, but uh, <laughs> short amount of time. I'm kidding. But uh, Ephesians chapter four, we'll start in verse one and we'll end in verse 16. And before I read that, I, I just kind of want to give some context of Scripture. You know, it's important that you understand what's going on throughout Scripture so that when you read it, you're not reading it out of context. So you you, you get what Paul is communicating. Paul is the writer of this book. He's writing to the body of believers in the church in Ephesus, and the purpose of this writing is... Is, is that Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesians out of his desire to see them grow spiritually in their faith, in love and wisdom, and in what God had done for them through His Son Jesus Christ, and what God was going to reveal to them through Christ and through the Holy and through the Holy Spirit. So the focus was that the believers would understand and know God better and also understand the purpose and calling for which he had had called for each and every single one of them. So Paul's writing in this letter was to build them up, was to teach them, was to grow them, was to strengthen them, was to allow them to realize that God was going to continue to speak to them, continue to reveal things to them, and continue to move within their body. But also, it was to show them that God had a purpose and a calling for each and every one of them in that particular body in Ephesus. So Paul's writing to them to ensure that they would live a life completely submitted to Jesus, as their Lord, and that they would know the truth of God's eternal purpose in his salvation and his spiritual restoration that he has given us in Christ for their church and for the believers in that city. So, Paul's doing this to build them up. So, we need to understand that every time we open the word of God, God is using it to build us up, to teach us, to train us, to grow us, and we need to be willing to to know that, you know what, when I open scripture, God's going to reveal and speak to me. So, Starting in, in chapter four, verse one, we're going to go through this and, it, and, and I'm going to read it slow because it's a lot. I mean, it's 16 verses. It says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. With all lowliness, gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endure, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore he says, when he ascended on high, he led captive, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he is a, now this, he has ascended What does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him, who is the head, Christ, from whom The whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. And you're like, oh my gosh, that was a lot. Okay, now we're going to break it down. Sorry. I wanted to go ahead and just read that through so you had an idea of what we're going to be talking about. Again, the, the title is this is One Body, One Calling. We need to understand That we are the body of Christ. What does that mean? What does that look like? How does that function? How does that work? You know, we're going through a new season as a church, and our new season is consisting of, you know, we're selling our old property down in the downtown area, and it's being in the process of completely being sold, and then we're coming here to then build on this hill. And Pastor has alluded to over the past, I would say maybe month, he's been saying, get ready, get ready, get ready. We need our ministries to be ready. We need our people to be ready. We need the body of Christ to be ready. And the reality of it is, is that he's exactly right. Because whenever our church is built and whenever these things begin to happen, you need to understand that that we're going to encounter new moments with new people that we haven't met. But if we're not ready... And if we're not growing and maturing and allowing the ministries in the church and allowing the body to function in a healthy way, it's going to be a lot more difficult to grow in that season. So we need to be prepared. There again, like I said, I want to break it down. So I want us to go to, to the first verse. It says, there I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. My first question is this to you is this, And before we get to the point. To walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. What is the calling that you were called to? What was the calling that you were called to? Okay. Just think about that for a moment. What is the calling that we are called to as Christians? And the first point is this. The calling we have received is this. That we are children of God, first and foremost. That is a calling that we have received right off the bat. So we need to understand the calling that we have received is that we are children of God. The calling we have received is not a calling that was given to us by men, nor by the world. And the calling that we have received only comes from God. That calling is this, that through the blood of Jesus Christ... We are made into not only new creations, but into complete children of God, and we are fitted together into a body, one body. But it only comes from coming into a relationship with Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection. He died on the cross for all of our sins, and forever who would believe he was buried in the tomb, and he was resurrected from the grave by the power of God through the Holy Spirit of God. Through belief in Jesus Christ, confession and repentance of sin in the heart, a person can come to Jesus, be set free from their sins, given the inheritance of salvation in a life of obedience to him, and experience adoption into the kingdom of God as a child and a member of the body of Christ. It comes through Jesus. I want to put this down. You know, the Lord just put this in my heart, and I say that, you know, carefully when I say that, but I was thinking about this. I've noticed when I go out into the the community, when I go out into different places, and if I'm talking to someone about Jesus, or I'm talking to someone about God, or if I'm sharing the gospel with somebody who doesn't know Jesus and is not a believer, they'll sometimes allude to how God's their father, and I'll hear that. And the Lord was speaking in my heart this, is that if you don't receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you don't give your life to him, you're not technically a child of God. Wait a second, but he loves me like a child. Yes, he loves you like a child, but he can't receive you as a child in that way. Because the Bible says that we're adopted into the kingdom through Christ. But if I never give my heart to Christ, and I never choose to believe in Christ, but I hear the people and the good Christians always say, you know, God loves you like a father. I may get this preconceived idea in my mind, and I may think, if I wasn't a believer, I may think, well, I'm a child of God because God created me, and he loves me, right? You see, we need to understand that that when we get brought into the kingdom of God, it's through the cross, it's through the blood, it's through Jesus. There's only one way. But when we come through the cross, through the blood, and through Jesus, God then says, now I receive you as a child. You have been adopted as a child. So now the calling that we have as a child of God has been placed upon us. We've been called a child of God. But that only comes from our salvation in Christ, our life given to Christ. Romans 10, chapter 10, verse 6 through 13 says, But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Isn't that interesting? To as many as them that received him. How many churches, I wonder today, are full of people who haven't ever received Jesus, but are being numbered in the account as the body of Christ and being called children of God. We have to make sure our hearts are right with this. We have to make sure we're in the correct, we're standing in the correct uh, 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 light with the Lord. Because we need to understand that he gives us the right through his death, through us receiving him by faith. It goes on to say, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So when we become children of God, it comes straight and directly through the cross and through the blood of Jesus Christ. When we receive him in faith and we believe in him, for it's by grace through faith that you are saved. Not of yourselves, but a free gift. When that comes into our lives, God says, now I'm changing your identity. Now you are a child of God. Now I have adopted you. And our calling changes as a person. But my, my the next question I have for you is this. Is that why does our mindset not change in the church? Think about it. I asked, I asked someone earlier, I said, When did you get saved? They told me a young age. I said, do you understand right at that moment when you got saved, God recognized you as a child of God. But not only that, he recognized you as a disciple of Jesus Christ. There was a calling that you had on your life. And that was to go into what? All the world and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to be a witness of Christ. You see... I guess our culture has designed this thought or this thing that when you become a certain age, that's when the, 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 the desire to be a disciple of Jesus like kicks in. Like, you know, like, oh, when, we, when you finally get to Ephesians chapter three, now you're the disciple that God always wanted. No, you're the disciple. You've been called as a disciple of Jesus Christ, as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a child of God. Immediately, the moment you repented of your sins, the moment you gave your life to Jesus, the moment you said yes to him, that's when he said yes to you. Now I'm going to change you now you you are who i call you to be but you see for some reason as the church we don't accept that sometimes and so what do we do we dabble we dabble we we drift we dabble well you know i'm not worthy to be a child of god i'm not worthy to be called to go and witness no 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 you are worthy because he gave everything up on the cross for you on purpose he wanted to So Jesus came and he gave his life for us so that we could be changed. We could be set free and we could be called children of God so that we could walk in what? The calling that he has given us. Go back to to walk worthy of the calling which you were called. He called us, what? Out of darkness and into light. He called us. So Jesus has called you. Every person in this room who has received him. Let me tell you something. You are called now. As a child of God, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, as a witness, you are called now to go and do the works of the kingdom of God. But why do we not do that? Why do, why do we think, oh, I can. I don't have the ability to. Or, or I'm not good enough. The calling that we have to be a part of the body of, of, of Christ, does it come from how many times we go to church? It doesn't it come from who we socially know within the church. It's not from the ministry that we affiliate ourselves with. Think about it. To all the people who come to church as a social event, they're they're not even in the right heart and they're in the right mindset. They're not realizing that, that they're not really connected because the connection comes through Christ. It doesn't come through how many people you know. It doesn't come through if you're, you're a part of the cool kids ministry or the adult ministry or, the, or, or we go out and we evangelize. It doesn't come through that. It comes straight through Jesus. That's where the, the eternal membership comes from. In the body of Christ. So now we're a part of the body of Christ. To walk worthy of the calling which we were called. Which we've received through Christ. It comes from our hearts being given to Jesus, believing and living our lives for him and his glory. Living a life worthy to him, not perfect, but obedient. That's where the calling comes from. And anyone, I want to say this, anyone who says that they are a child of God, but they did not become a child of God through the blood and the cross of Jesus Christ is a liar. There's only one way to become a child of God. If you know people who've never come to Jesus, who've never given their hearts to Jesus, but say, Oh, Jesus is my best friend, and I'm his child, and he loves me, and and they go on and on and on, I've seen it firsthand. I had a man not even three miles down the road tell me I couldn't know God because I wasn't black. Told me, told me that I couldn't have a relationship with God because I believe that I attained that through Jesus. It's in our culture, guys. It's there. But we have to make a stand as the body of Christ. We have to understand who we are and what our gospel is teaching because it breaks my heart to think of how many people who say that they're a part of the body of Christ, and they have not received Jesus, they've not repented of their sins, and they've not given their heart to the Lord. And they're not children of God being spiritually reborn. What did Jesus say? You must be born again. Right? Isn't that what he said? John 3, 3. And Jesus said, Most surely I say unto you, one must be born again. He said that to Nicodemus, one of the teachers. They say was one of the greatest teachers. So if Jesus said we have to be born again, we have to come into a new relationship through him to be called as children of God, then we don't need to think that by any other way or any other source, that's how we become a child of God. It's only through Jesus Christ. And from this obedience, being born again, we become that disciple that I talked about earlier. That's who we are. I had a lady one time, I was in a shoe store I never get to go in shoe stores by the way cuz I wear a size 16 shoe. You don't get to buy those in stores. It's the worst. I was in a shoe store and I thought, "Oh my gosh, a pair of 16s." I was so excited. And I was with my dad. I was like, "I'm buying these." And he's like, "Of course you are." I was like, "Yeah, they don't have these anywhere else." So I go up to the front and and I begin to talk to the lady and I just said, "Can I pray with you?" And her, you know, her initial response was, oh, I'm a Christian and I love the Lord. And and she started to go on and on about, you know, the different things she's done and, and all those things are great. And I was like, man, this is awesome. This is so cool. So I'm talking with her and I said, well, what can I pray for you about? And she said, well, before you pray for me, I need to know what are you? OK, I'm from a, like, a you know, East Texas. So she's like, what are you, son? And I'm like. I'm thinking in my head, like, what do you, what do you mean? What am I? I'm, I'm like, I'm human. Uh, I'm, like, trying to, like, figure out what this lady is. And then it dawned on me. I realized what she wanted. She wanted to know what denomination I was. But I didn't want to give her that. You know why? Because I don't see it like that. Whether you're a Baptist, whether you're a Pentecostal, it doesn't matter. We're a part of the body of Christ. We're one with Jesus through his cross, through him. So I said, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's what I said. You know what she said back to me? She kind of laughed. She said, no, son, what are you? What denomination are you? I said, oh, I didn't know I had to tell you what denomination I was. I'm just a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm a follower of Christ. I love him. I want to live my life for him. Well, I'm a Southern Baptist. And she goes in on that, and I'm listening, and I'm a, you know, God bless Southern Baptist. And I said, well, I guess if you want to go denominational, then I'm a Pentecostal. And immediately she gave me this, this look. You're one of them crazies, huh? I said, no, I just believe the whole word of God, ma'am. That's it. And after that, the conversation got a little awkward. And I prayed with her and we kind of just went our way. But that breaks God's heart. Do we understand that? That, Kevin, if you will pull that title back up, I appreciate it. We're one body with one calling. Why are we separating ourselves? So my question to you is this. You're a part of one body with one calling. Don't separate yourself. Don't separate yourself. We have to be united together. As we walk in this season that God has for us as a church, we have to be united together. We've become disciples. What is a disciple? Let's look at Matthew 28, verse 18. Mark 16, 15 through 18. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes is baptized and will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Being a disciple doesn't start. When you get into church, it starts the moment you're saved and you become a Christian and you give your life to Jesus. Now we're a part of God's holy calling as children of God and ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we come to him. First Peter chapter two, verse nine says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Each and every one of us as believers of Jesus Christ have, has a purpose, a calling, and the ability to be sharing his gospel with every person in our lives and doing that within the unity of the church. Let's go back to that first point again, Kevin. To walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. You and I were called. We were called to be ministers of the gospel. We were called as children of God to go and profess that there is a light. There is a hope. There is a kingdom. There is a truth. There is a savior to this world. That's where we're called. And that's what we're called to do as a body. And we all have to be functioning in this. Understand something. And this is something that... that I I highly believe. When I read in Mark 16, 15 through 18, that he who believes in it will be baptized and will be saved, and and he who does not will be condemned, and these signs will follow those who believe. The kingdom of God, it it, it just doesn't, you know, it's not like God goes, okay, you'll be able to do that, you won't. You'll be able to do that, you won't. That's not how God does that. He said that when you become a disciple of Jesus Christ, you will walk in the things of God. You will do the things of God, period. As a disciple, as a believer. But sometimes we tend to do this thing where we go, well, like the cool evangelist guy, he's the one that does it. And then the cool apostle guy, he's the one that does it. And then, you know, the pastor, he does it. And the prophet does it and the teacher does it. But, you know, I'm just this lowly believer and I don't really do that. Well, that's not what I read because Jesus told me he said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Peter hadn't become the great apostle yet. What does that tell me? I remember the first time that scripture came alive to me, I was in a college. Uh, community college classroom. I had a gentleman sitting next to me who's now a youth pastor in Amarillo. He's an awesome man of God. And I'm sitting there and I thought, I need to sit next to this dude. I'd just been saved about probably a month. And and he looked at me and he just said, hey man, after class, we're going to go lay hands on that guy's foot and his foot's going to get healed in Jesus's name. And I was going, oh my gosh, I'm so scared right now. What is happening? Like, And then I said, well, how how can we do that? He said, you had not read your Bible, huh? Oh, man, no Christian likes to hear that, huh? Man, that's like a gut shot, you know? You had not read your Bible, huh? And then you're like, oh, yeah, i read my Bible like four hours. You don't know how much I've read, you know? And I kind of, I just, I didn't say anything. I just looked at him. He said, go go home and read Mark chapter 16, what I just read. Come back tomorrow and we'll talk. Well, guess what? We went and laid hands on that guy's foot, and guess what? The next day, he came into class, and he didn't have a boot on, and his foot was completely healed. But guess what? That kid was in community college, in an English community college class. He wasn't apostle so-and-so, evangelist so-and-so. You know what he was? He was a lover of Jesus Christ. He was a disciple. He was a believer. He was a child. If we're going to be walking in the unity of the Spirit, in this church, going in, this new season. We need to be aware that God calls each and every single one of us to do his work. Not just me, not just pastor, not just those in leadership. Every single one of us. And guess what? You're able to. Because it's not going to be you that does it. It's going to be the spirit of God moving through you. But you have to be willing to say, flesh, shut up. I know I may be afraid, but I'm going to do this. I remember the first time I ever stepped out in faith, the first time I was at Jason's house. It always starts at Jason's house. I'm kidding. And we just watched a a, a movie about the Holy Spirit, and it just was encouraging my heart. And at the last bit of the movie, and he can attest to it because I called him after it happened. One of the ministers in the movie said so many times the Holy Spirit is speaking to the, the children of God, the people of God, but they just don't say yes. And so I opened his, his front door and I, I was heading back home and I shut the door and I took like two steps off on his, his front porch and I just closed my eyes and I said, Holy Spirit, I say yes. That's all I said. I walked about 10 feet. I got my car and as soon as I shut my car door, I heard, go to the gas station and a man will be healed. And I started laughing at myself because I thought I was crazy. I started laughing. I was like, I'm about to go to a gas station and and somebody's about to get healed. And I just started laughing. Sure enough, all that happened. God did that, not me. Remember that. God did that, not me. But what that did to my faith was it made me realize something. That each and every one of us have a purpose and a calling about sharing the gospel about moving in the gifts of the Spirit and allowing God to work through us so that the people around us can see Jesus, can see the kingdom of God and that it's real. My second point is this. Yeah, we're only on the second point. (laughs) It's almost 8 o'clock. We're going to be here till 9 o'clock. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's spring break. Woo, kids aren't at school. We're going to be here till 9 o'clock. Okay, uh, everyone's like, oh, no. My second point is this. We're all one together in this calling. We are all together in this. Okay? This just isn't a limited thing. Do not think that you're unqualified. That's not what God says. You are because the spirit of God has been given to you, has been given to me, has been poured out to the body. It says, there is one body and one spirit just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. The entire church is called together as one with the same goal and purpose of living our lives in relationship with Jesus Christ and following the will of God and sharing the gospel and in loving the world around us so that those who are around us, can see Christ in us. Let's break it down. One body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. Each and every one of us is connected to the other spiritually through our faith in Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? We are all connected together. That means if we are going to function as a church in a healthy way, We all need to be striving as in one step together, working together. If you've been sitting back in your chair and watching, it's time to stand up and get a part of what we're doing. If you've been laying low because you feel like you're you're not worthy, it's time to stand up. And what God's done in your life, he's made you worthy. If you feel like, well, what God's calling me to do is not what my personality is like, well, guess what? Don't have confidence in the flesh. Step out in the spirit and do what God's calling you to do. If you want to know something, I'm going to be honest with you. I could not sit up here and talk talk to you if I didn't have Jesus in my life. You know why I know? Because I couldn't give a presentation in, in my junior year of speech class without sweating and nearly passing out. Okay, although I still sweat, I I don't feel like passing out. But the reality is this, that, that God through his spirit will enable you to do the works that he's calling you to do. Because each and every one of us, each and every one of us are called to do something. But if we're not walking in that calling... Then we're not functioning together as the body. Does that make any sense? That would be like one day if I was sitting down and I went to stand up and my whole left leg was just like, not today, man. And I just like I just fell right down. Why? Because I need my legs to what? Walk. How are we going to be the body of Christ if if we're not all functioning together as a body? We're going into a new season. We're getting ready. We have to be functioning together as the body of Christ. We all must work together in the calling that each of us has, not just looking out for our own interests. Don't come to church to look out for your own interests. You come to look out for the people around you, to love those around you, to lift those up around you, to go into the community and to share who Jesus is. Yes, do your own interests apply? Yes, they do. But at the end of the day, Jesus just doesn't want us to be about ourselves. because if I was all about me, I' tell you what, man, do you think I'd be doing what I was doing? No. Do you think I'd be standing in front of you right now wanting to to, to speak? No, because my my carnal nature wouldn't want to do that. See, but I'm not looking out for my, just myself. I'm obeying what God's calling me to do, not just for me but for us all, because we all are functioning together. I was sharing with someone earlier. If the Lord has gifted you in a certain way, whatever that is, maybe the Lord uses you in words of knowledge. Maybe he uses you in prophecy, interpretation of tongues, prophetic tongues. Whatever it is, we could go through all of, the, all of the giftings, but you're not walking in the gifting. What are you doing with your gifting? It's like the man who had the talent. What did he do? He went and buried it, Right? Because he was scared. We don't need to bury the gifts that God gives us. We don't need to take them and, and put them to the side because we feel like in our own selves we're not capable. We need to embrace the giftings that God has given us. We need to walk in them. Why? Because that gifting isn't just for you. It's for those around you. Do you understand that if I was standing here tonight and the Lord spoke a word to me, we'll just make a little illustration, and it was for someone over here, and I spoke that word to them, what would that do to their faith? It would encourage them. It would build them. It would, they would go, God, you see me. You know what I'm in. But what else would it do to me? It would do, God, I obeyed you. I followed you. I lived in faith with you, God. Thank you for using me. Thank you that it was for your glory. Thank you, Lord, that you want to use me. Thank you, Lord, that you're moving and working in the body. What did that do? Two parties were changed in that moment. Why? Because the, the gifting that God had given one person manifested and not only touched their life, but it touched another person's life. Imagine if everyone in the body was operating in these giftings and according to the way that they need to be operated. There would be such a healthy growth. Because I don't know about you, man, but whenever somebody comes up to me and gives me a word from the Lord, I feel like I'm ready to just run through a wall, especially when it's just right at the right time. And what does it do to my faith? It grows my faith. And what does it do to the person that spoke it? It grows theirs. Growth comes when we're all actively working together as a body. It doesn't come when, when one person is only operating and another's not. Or one group of people are doing one thing and another's not. It says in Romans chapter 12, verse 4, For as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Your gifting may be different than someone else's gifting, but at the end, it has the same purpose. It's to edify and to grow the body of Christ. It's to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's to build those up around you. If your gifting is working with children, do you understand that when you go into that room and you teach that lesson and you pray over those kids that you're building them up and God's building you up through that process and there's a maturing that's happening within you And within that child, just like the illustration I gave earlier, we need to understand that just because your function is different, you know, my function is a little bit different than maybe your function. Pastor's function is different than my function. Does that mean I have greater authority over pastor? No, it does not. Does that mean pastor's authority is where his authority is? Yes, he is the authority of our church. And ultimately, Christ is the head above him. The authority doesn't change. The function may be different, but the purpose is still the same. We're all working together with one, one body, with one calling. The next thing is this, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. First Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6 says, Yet for us there is one God, the Father of whom are all things, and we for him and one lord Jesus Christ through whom all are all things and through whom we live we need to understand that we are all submitted into the same faith let's make that clear we're all submitted into the same faith as one body submitted to one lord Jesus one god the father one baptism one holy word the bible you know why there's so much disunity in churches sometimes? It's because you got Brother Joe who always wants to just he just. Oh, well, that that I don't believe that's what it means. And you, got, you have half the congregation with one mindset, half the congregation with another mindset, and they're clashing 24-7. If we're going to function as a healthy church, we all need to come under the submission of Jesus Christ, under the word of God, in one accord, in one truth, and we need to obey that together as one if we're going to see growth. Because I don't know about you, but looking back at some things through this season in our church, I could see how sometimes we didn't have the same mindset. Half of us afraid to go, half of us ready to go. But wasn't it so joyful when we had the business meeting a few Sundays back and we all voted and said, hey, we want to go to the future and the vision that God has for us? What did that show? See, you may think that's insignificant. It's so important because it's showing that we're all together with the same mindset, the same desire, striving for the same calling that God's given us as the body, as children of God. Next thing is this. Who is above all and through all and in you all. Romans eleven thirty six. For him. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 says this. For by him, by Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Each and every one of us has a different calling, a different gifting, but we're all of the same faith, the same spirit, the same God, the same Father, the same Lord, the same Savior, Jesus Christ, and we're all working together for God's will to be accomplished. No ministry is greater than the other, and all are needed to accomplish the will of God. We need to understand that. Every ministry is important. Well, Pastor Reese, I feel like my ministry is just like being a a person who, who just stands out front and says hello to someone each morning. Do you know how important that is? Because you're the first person a lost person gets to meet who comes to our church, who doesn't know Jesus. And through your heart and your love and your gifting, you could come to them and love them and show them the love of God in such a way that when they walk into this place, they go, I've never had anyone be more happy to see me in my life. You may feel like your gifting is insignificant. It's not. It's important. Paul alludes to scripture, and I'm paraphrasing, about how the hand needs the eye, and the eye needs the hand. Some people may say the eye is more important. Some people may say the hand is more important. No, they're both important because they both work together. So if you feel called into a ministry that isn't highlighted, that isn't thrown up on the cool, you know, projector screen, that isn't talked about all the time, who cares? Because that's not why we're doing it. We're not doing it for selfish gain. We're not doing it for what we can get. We're doing it for the love of Jesus Christ because we love him and because we want to obey him and because we want to function in the body together. If we want to walk in unity, we have to be willing to know that every single thing is needed to accomplish the will of God in the body. First Corinthians chapter twelve verse four through eleven. I'm going to be quick because we don't have a lot, a lot of time. Still got two more points. They're they're a little quicker. It says 1 Corinthians chapter twelve verse four through eleven. It says there are diver- diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. We all have to work together as the collective children and body of Jesus Christ to accomplish God's will for our church and for this community. Whatever your gift may be, don't take it lightly. Use what God's given you for his glory and sharing it in love and truth so that people around you may grow and be encouraged. You understand that your gifting just isn't for you. It's for everyone around you. And it's not just for the lost, but it's for the believers within the body. Because we're building each other up. Be encouragers of one another. Sing songs of hymns and encouragement to one another. Why, why does scripture teach these things? Why does it say these things? It's because Paul is trying to get us to understand it's important that we're building each other up with what God's given us. Because it'll be in what? Pure love. It'll be in righteousness, it'll be in holiness, it'll be in truth. As we move into this new season as a body, we need to be serving wholeheartedly according to God and his will, all of us, because each one of us is needed if we're going to accomplish God's will for this church. I've probably said that six times now, but I don't care because I'm going to keep saying it because we all have to be working together as one. And if you are here tonight and you're scared, I want to say, don't be afraid. If God's called you to do something within our church, don't be afraid. Step out in faith. Because from what I just read, it's not going to be you doing it. It's going to be the spirit of God moving through you for his glory. And so you know what that does for me? That that comforts me because it makes me go, wow, God, I'm not using my abilities to accomplish this. Meaning my flaws aren't going to be a part of this. Your spirit is. Your righteousness is. Your words are. Your truth is, your power is, not me. It's not by my, my might, not by my strength, but by the Spirit of the Lord. So when we're walking in this, we see that we don't need to fear what God's calling us to do within the body. We need to be trusting God. We need to be believing. But I've never done this before. Hey, I want to encourage you and to say something. Did you know that before I became our youth pastor here at this church, i would never been a youth pastor before. How scary is that? I never grew up in a house where I had a minister who could teach me any values or principles. No one in my family has ever been in ministry. I'm not saying that to boast in myself. I'm saying, listen, step out in faith. Do you think this happened overnight for me? No. But do you think I let Something not happening overnight for me, change my attitude on it? No. And maybe that's how we need to view this. Because some of us can think, man, this needs to happen overnight. But God's like, hey, no, 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 it's not going to happen overnight. You got to grow. You got to work. You got to strive. And I'm going to begin to move you and use you in different ways within the body of Christ. But if we're going to be couch potatoes, we're not going to get anything done. We're going to get nothing done. But if we're going to be warriors for God and we're going to get up and we're going to go to battle, we're going to see the kingdom of God. We're going to see people coming in this place and getting healed. We're going to see people coming in this place and getting set free from demons. We're going to be seeing the spirit of God manifest and move and people giving their hearts and their lives to Jesus. And we're going to see a healthy church grow. But that comes from us choosing that we are going to step out in faith. I'll finish on this last point. Well, second to last point. Third thing is this, we are all growing when we are walking in God's calling for our life. Every single one of us are growing. You're growing when you're walking in the call that God's given you. When you're moving and working and operating in the gifts of the Spirit, you're growing and the people around you are growing. Because God's using you to touch the hearts of people around you. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men. And the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into Him who is the head, Jesus, from whom the whole body is joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body. When every person is working and striving and sharing and obeying Jesus, then we are all growing collectively as the body of Christ. We're growing in the knowledge of him. We're growing in the truth of what he's spoken in our lives. We're growing by going out into our community. It starts when we choose to walk in what God's called us to do. Through the unity of the body of Christ, each of us can see spiritual growth working and moving around us and in us. But if we all aren't working together with the giftings and the calling God has given us, then we are not growing as healthy as we should. We'll grow, but we won't grow as much as God wants us to grow. Because why did the church, we're going through this on Wednesday night. Someone said, hey, are you going to continue the Corinthian crisis? I'm like, no, that's pastor. I I can't jump in there. That's him. Why did the Corinthian church have so many problems? What have we been learning? There was no unity. There was no unity in the church. They weren't all working together. One guy was using the gifting God gave him to look better than the other guy. Uh, they were all having strife. No one was working together. Now, were they continually growing? Yeah, but were they growing as healthy as they needed to? No. That's why Paul kept having to write letters. Because he saw how the church was unhealthy. So we need to understand something, that if we're going to be a healthy church, we have to be all willing to lay down our flesh, lay down what we want, deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus wholeheartedly. And guess what? Sometimes that's hard. But guess what? It's worth it. Because I want to be a church that if Jesus came back today, he would say, well done. You've done what I've called you to do. I will give, I've given you a good report. Who wants that? I want that. I said I was going to stop. I'm not. I will after this. Just a little bit more. Fourth thing is this. Growing in the word of God and in the truth of God and in the love of God creates unity amongst us. Verse 13 says, in in Ephesians 4, 13 says, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. It's important as the body of Christ that we are all of the same spirit and the same mindset if half of us think one way and believe one way and the other half believe one way and think one way, then we're not truly united. And that the enemy will be able to come in through men and through craftiness, and he will be able to pull apart everything that God has tried to do and put together. We have to know what we believe. We have to know that we know that we know. Why? So that if someone came in, who wasn't an agent of God, but an agent of the enemy. And he came in and he sat down in the front row. And he began to whisper lies of deceit that we wouldn't go. Oh, oh! Is well, Jim knows everything, man. Woo, man, he knows everything that's going on. This is completely different from what pastor and what all of our leaders have said. But guess what? We're going to go with this. You see, this was happening. And so what was happening was is that people were sowing. Let's see. We'll we'll read it again. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. When we aren't united as a body, the enemy has a foothold to come in and to do whatever he wants to do. And I think some of us might have experienced that. I've seen it before. We have to be willing as a church to know what we believe and to stand on that truth. To not change. So that when, at, when we grow, because we're going to grow, guys. This church is going to grow. When this church grows and new people begin to come in, things aren't changing based off of what someone else says. We're standing firm on the word of God. Well, you should love me the way I am because, you know, God made me this way and, and I believe this and I no. We're standing on the word of God. If you don't like it, then you can go. But if you want to be united, we know how you can get free. It's through Jesus. We have to be willing to not compromise. Do you understand that's what was happening? That men were coming into the church, and they were speaking lies of deceit. And like children, the believers were just falling along with it. Oh, man, this guy. You know, have you ever told a child? You could tell a child anything, and they'll believe you, right? I mean, come on, if a child didn't know any better, if I didn't know any better, if I didn't know a single thing about sound equipment, and I came to Josh, and Josh told me every single thing that's wrong about sound equipment, and I believed him, and I walked away, and then someone said, hey, do you know anything about sound equipment? And I shared it, and it was completely wrong. What do you think that looks like? I went off of just what Josh Josh said. We have to be going off as a as a body off of what the Word of God says. We have to be united in the Word of God. What did I say? Growing in the Word of God, and the truth of God, and love creates unity. When we're growing in the Word of God, and we're all of one accord, all of one mind, all of one truth, and when men and women may come in and try to disrupt that and change that, and when the enemy tries to come and stop what this church is doing, we're gonna just turn back and we're gonna smile and say, well, "No, we're going by the Word of God, not by the Word of men, not by what somebody else may say, but." We're going to go by what Jesus says. Romans sixteen verse seventeen through twenty says, "Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offences contrary to the doctrine which you learned. Avoid them, for those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. By smooth words and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace will." crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. If we know God's word and we're united together as a body in the calling that he's given us, and I'm closing and we're going to end in prayer. If we know this, And we apply this and we live by this and we're united in this and we're walking in the gifts of the Spirit and we're walking in the truth of God and we're walking and obeying Jesus Christ. We're denying ourselves every day. We're following the leadership that's been given to us. If we're doing these things, this place is gonna be a powerhouse. But if we're unwilling to do that, we'll be a stagnant pond. We have to be willing to step up, to walk in the calling that God's given you. Some of you right now in this room have been afraid for years. God has already told you what he wants you to do, but you have been afraid for years because you think, I can't do it. Of course you can't do it, but he can. He's the one that's going to do it, not you. You have to be willing to put aside what you feel. I was reading this scripture, and we're going to end on this. And, and and I read this earlier, and it just it just blew my mind how Paul's desire was to know Jesus, to love Jesus, to follow Jesus, and everything that he did, and and it, 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 he gave everything up for it. He didn't care about anything else. All he wanted was to follow Jesus. I rejoice in Christ and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day, the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews concerning the law, a Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, I was blameless. But what things were to gain to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of, no, of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Are we willing to count everything around us as rubbish and gain Christ? Are we willing to turn the TV off? Are we willing to for, forget about what we want? Are we willing to give up our desires and our thoughts and whatever we think is good for us? Are we willing to give up these things that draw us and pull us away and distract us from the call? that God God has on our life. Are we willing to put those things down and to say, Lord, I'm going to be so submitted to you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to live my life so closely to you and unity with you that when I join together as the body of Christ as a church, we are going to function. We're not going to get distracted. We're not going to be like children going to and fro. When someone says something, we're going to be grounded and steadfast in you. Do you understand That that to see the body of Christ grow in healthiness and to grow in the truth of the word of God, it starts when you make the choice as much as anyone else. So if you're sitting on this side and you look to this side and you say, yeah, whenever that side's ready, I'll do it. No, no, no. Whenever you're ready, it'll happen. Whenever you're ready, it'll happen. But we all have to make the choice up in our own hearts to say we're going to follow Jesus and deny ourselves and obey him. You have to make that choice. Just like you had to make the choice at the beginning to become a child of God. Are you ready to sacrifice? Are you ready to suffer? Well, suffering doesn't sound fun. Well, hey, it's worth it. Because God hasn't called us to sit on our butts and to be couch potatoes. He's called us to get to work. He's called us to do what in his scripture he tells us to do. And if guess what? If we're not doing that, we're not obeying. And I don't want to disobey the Lord. We're going to end with some prayer. Let's pray. Let's all close our eyes, bow our heads. Let's pray. I feel in my heart, this just as much as this touched my heart, I know it's touched yours. So let's begin to pray and ask that the Lord would just create a unity amongst us, a desire in us to love him and to serve him and to obey him and to follow him. So, Father, just begin to lift up his name. Jesus, we love you. We love you, Jesus. Jesus, I thank you that that the calling that you've given us as a church and as a body, it wasn't something that we gained from what we could do. You gave it to us freely when you died on the cross. You wanted us to be a part of your body. You wanted us to be a part of your church. But Lord, if we're not willing to put away our desires, our wants, our thoughts, our feelings, and to to take up our crosses and follow you, Lord, if we're not willing to do that, Lord, then why are we doing what we do? Because Lord, we all have to be striving together as one, as one body in 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 the truth of your word and the obedience of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that tonight, Lord, our hearts would be grieved They would be grieved. They would be grieved to want to obey. They would be grieved to want to be as close and intimate with you, to count everything else as lost and to obey you, God. To turn off the TV, to put away the cell phones, to put away the fear of the flesh, and to say, God, I'm going to do what you've told me to do. I'm going to walk in the Spirit, I'm going to walk in unity. I'm going to grow in my church. I'm going to build each other up. I'm not going to look at the entrance of just myself, but I'm going to look out for my brothers and sisters in the faith. I'm going to encourage them and build them up. I'm going to work in the body of Christ. I'm going to find my place, and I'm going to serve you, Jesus, faithfully. I'm not going to go just to the ministry that looks the coolest, but I'm going to go to the one that you want me to go to. I'm going to do what you want me to do. Lord, let that be our desire to count everything lost and to just follow you as a whole body together. Because, Lord, you took 120 people and within a month, Lord, it turned into 3,000. That 120 that turned into a greater number of 3,000. It it, it didn't come from everybody going, well, you know, I can't come to that because I got this going on. You know, I can't sit and wait for the Holy Spirit to come. I can't come to the Tuesday night prayer meeting. I can't get on my face and pray. I can't go out and evangelize. I can't go and serve in any ministry because I got this. No, it came from every person being united. Every person saying, Jesus, I want what you have called us to. And in doing so, God, you sent the Holy Spirit like a fire into the place. It consumed them. And then you moved. And without that, God, we wouldn't be in this room right now. Do we get that? Without that, Lord, none of us here As Gentiles would have the gospel. Lord, there's Gentiles. There's other men and women who need us because we have the truth. But if we're not willing, what if someone wasn't willing for you? What if someone wasn't willing for you? Think about it. Would you have salvation what if Peter in the 120 said, this is too hard, we're done. Would the world be changed today? Would we be here? We have to be willing at all costs to go full speed, 110%, working together if we're going to see God move. And it's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take making God your number one priority. It's going to take putting everything else last and putting him first. And if we can't do that, we're not going to see God move the way we want him to move. So, Father, we want, we want to see you move. We want to see you move in this community. Help us to grow in unity. Help us to have the hunger and the desire to walk according to you and your fire. God, move through us, Lord. Lord and use us as your vessels, as one, as a body. I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you that every person in this room is needed. Every person in this room is needed. And every person who is watching online is needed. I thank you, Lord, that the gifting and the calling that they have is needed. And that, Lord, though the functions all may be different, they all serve one purpose. And that's loving you, obeying you, serving you, and sharing who you are. So, Lord, help us. Help us tonight, God. Father, I pray that as we leave this place, we would stop. We would stop and we would ask ourselves, God, what do you want me to do? And we would listen and then we would obey. Help us to hear your voice. Forgive us tonight, Lord, of every time we failed to listen of every time when you have spoken, we said, well, God, I don't want to do that, and we walked away. Lord, let our hearts be obedient to you, God. And we just love you and we worship you, Father. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you.